0: I mean, I, I you know me, I hate to start working. I, <laughs> I would rather, hey, so let's just, here's this. You can just have this. I don't know what you would do with this, uh-huh. but uh, so we, I came over around 11. Yeah. And it's five <laughs> and we just clocked on. So... You know how you have like a nine to five and it like you get up, you start working at nine. We have and two hours left
1: in our day and we just started recording. We
0: just started recording right now. Now that actually makes us sound really lazy, Mm-mm. but we just got done planning our lives mm-hmm. for like the next year. Yeah. And you won't know about a lot of it because a lot of it isn't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but some of it is mm-hmm. and that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, and it's now 5 p.m. And we're in a lot of trouble right now with all the other people in our lives.
1: We just did our first proper cold open.
0: Oh, okay. I so, don't know. So what does a cold open on this show sound like? like? What happens now? Or do we do cold opens now?
1: This is Space Cats Peace Turtles. The unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 209, Preliminary Guide to Barony of Letnev and Nalu Collective. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring
0: Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson.
1: My uh, favorite thing is any stream or any game or anything, just the various ways people pronounce anything and everything in the Twilight Imperium oh, the yeah! Universe. And to be clear, I don't even care what Christian T. Peterson says or what Dane says. definitely Dame don't care says. what he says. Definitely don't <laughs> uh, care what CTP says. With none of these things is there actually a proper pronunciation Right. For
0: Except it. for the canonical one that I'm about to give you right now. Which is?
1: Baroni. Baroni? And then uh, Nalu. Nalu. Collect the best one is the planet, C E A L D R I, Kaldry Kaldry Kaldry. Dane told me it's Kaldry. Doesn't matter what Dane says. Nope. Some people say the craziest stuff. I. Some people see that there are that many letters in it Seal. and decide whatever they want to do. Okay, with the rest okay. Of it. I'll try a few. Yeah. Seal <laughs> Some people are like cadallery or whatever. Cadallery. Like, it goes all over. Kidallery. the place. Well,
0: it is Baroni. It's um, Baroni. What do we do in what type of episode is this, Matt? Okay, we, we have, have to. A preliminary yeah, we, guide. What we does that have mean? to set some ground
1: rules. This is the thing that Hunter and I have been talking about for a while that we want to do. This is yeah. this is the this is sort of the way forward for the show, which is uh, you're with us here. We are not going to present you with a perfect clean. Not that they were ever perfect, but we're not even going to attempt some semblance of a perfectly written guide nope. to a faction. We can't nope. do that. What we have in the past is the the framework from which we can now split off from yep. and find a different things. But what we have to do also real quick is we have good frameworks for the seven new Prophecy of Kings factions. The frameworks that we have, the bedrock that we have for every other faction is completely different now. Yeah. None of that stuff, all the old guides you might as well throw them in the trash. Mm. To a certain extent. Uh, one of them today, actually, nothing changed. Not all collective, same... Fa- no, it's not quite that easy. But the point is, the game has changed around a lot of these right. old factions. And what we need to do is just pretty quickly cover what like what the new sort of meat of these factions are. And so we want to lay out how these factions feel now. But don't consider this to be a this is how to always play Barony. This is like, we each played each of these factions one time. Got a feel for it. We've seen them played plenty of other times. We we know other things about these factions. But we got our hands on them. We put our hands behind the wheel and we went, okay, this is how this faction feels.
0: I think the interest that we have now is not so much about doing all of the work that we've done in the past as far as uh, the factions are concerned. We're not interested in doing it All over again in the exact same way. Right. What we're more interested in is sort of visiting the factions a couple times in a couple different ways to give you more variety when it comes to what you're getting out of a faction episode. I think we both kind of realized that trying to sum up a faction in two hours, three hours, however long we end up going uh, is... Probably not the best way no. to pick it up. Right.
1: Um, it's it is it's fun to do and it's engaging and we get to talk about a lot of stuff. But the reality is, and I feel like this has become especially true in Prophecy of Kings, is there are definitely, with most of the factions, multiple approaches that you can take. Right. And we can't cover every single one of those approaches in a single Two-hour thing. Now, what other people who write guides, like people who do stuff on YouTube that are very good at it, mm-hmm. the thing that they're doing though is they're making like a 30 minute thing. Right. And they're doing kind of a, just like an, an overview. Just like an overview and like here's what's gonna get you started. I'm not gonna tell you how to do specific strategies with this. And that's like the good way to onboard people into this stuff. Yeah. Um, and what we're trying to do now is make sure we have that stuff as framework so that later in the show, we can look at a specific strategy for a faction and outline that and not call it the end all be all Barony of Letnev guide, but say, Hey, let's do a guide on specifically when and how to do NES Duranium, but Barony of Letnev. And right. sometimes you do Destroyer 2 something else, Barony of Let- Like those right. are different things, and those can be different episodes yes I think that's our goal that's 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 what we're aiming for and before we can do that we need this bedrock we need this framework from here's our just an easy first pass at every single faction
0: yeah think about it like this in the past we have tried to do one episode for a faction where we summarize all of the basics we get you into round one strategy considerations we talk about the mid game we talk about meta trading stuff and we talk about the late game What if we split all of those topics up and talked about them uh, a little bit at a time? Right. Uh, I think in the end, uh, it is going to add up to more because each section is going to get more consideration. And also, we can maintain a conversationalist uh, podcast format instead of a, um, well, I wrote this paragraph right here needs to be read directly into the microphone,
1: uh, which is not uh, conversational at all so just to and, let you and pe- nothing has to be future proof that's the yeah. big thing yeah because we we have firmly accepted that like strategy and things change and adapt over time yes which means we can't write the definitive guide all exactly. we can do is write a guide for the moment
0: so instead of us going away and playing uh an unholy amount of twilight imperium and then coming back And being like, here's what we've brought from on high, even though it's actually not perfect because I had to get all these games done in like two weeks. And now I'm here giving you this very long thing I wrote. Instead, we're just going to give you our thoughts as they are now. They are not perfect. We have not decided that they are exactly what we think. This is preliminary. This is the start. We don't have
1: anything written down. There
0: is not a script. I have an
1: outline in front of me and I have no script. And this is, we've talked through our talking points, but we're not... Doing like a perfectly structured, this is your early game. This is your mid game. This is your late game. This is the tech you want. Yeah. That's not what you're going to get out of this kind of preliminary guy.
0: Yeah. I will
1: say this. The
0: the errata that... So one one uh strength that we have that we have sort of underutilized is the fact that you give us errata to each episode on yeah. Discord, and then that Discord channel is saved forever. So... Mm-hmm. I welcome and ask for every everyone that loves to give us errata, give us as much errata on these preliminary episodes. Like, go, you know, go, go deep and, yeah. uh, you know, start talking at us until you go blue in the face. I don't care. Right. Uh, because what's going to happen is, you know not anytime soon but in the future we're going to revisit these two factions probably not together yeah, they won't right. be in the same episode no. but these these factions are going to get revisited and whatever errata you give us then is probably going to shape that next thing yep. but that next thing's not going to happen right away right, right um and yeah like matt said there is no script all we have is all the components in front of us and that's it yep. so this is going to be very uh introductory but there's definitely going to be a lot of room for theory crafting because there is no this is not we are literally not sitting down here trying to pretend that we can tell you the end all be all of this faction so it is
1: left open this is not a strategy to employ in your barony or uh, nalu game this is a way to approach sitting down to a barony or Nalu, what kind of mindset should you have exactly when sitting down with this faction? And then, all,
0: kind of also an invitation for us as a community, uh, in concert, us the two of us in concert with uh, the listeners, to uh, solve every faction of the game and make it where there's no point in playing the game anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying. Let's do that. Let's let's well, begin I wanna the work, m- I want to meet back here in a year yep. to talk about Barony again. And when we talk about it again, I want it to be over. And everyone to just be like, <laughs> so the way you play Barony is the way that we all kind of came up with after thinking about it for you. Because let's face it, right. Matt, we think about this game in year-long stretches yeah. anyway. Well, and,
1: and at this point, too, I mean, we've seen two separate online updates our guides never get to be future proof anymore anyways. So yes. every time new stuff, if Dane's going to keep releasing new stuff, yep. then we gonna, we're going to have to keep updating everything anyway. So it's just going to be a constant th- this change. So now we got to come up to it. And I don't want to have a guide that becomes unwritten because we did an Omega component on some new, on, you know, some, something got replaced.
0: Yeah. New thing uh, that I just want to propose right now. I want to see what you think about this. As we do this with each faction or whatever, these preliminary going back to basics, looking at the stuff they start with and trying to theory craft, um, can we sort of flag stuff for Dane? Can there be like like a <laughs> I'm gonna read the component? Yeah, yeah, we read the component and then we say flagged for Dane, yep. and then you just message it to Dane. You don't necessarily have to tell him why, but just uh-huh. send him a component. And then underneath that component, say, really? <laughs> Can we just do that yeah. for a year? Do yeah, you want to we'll do, do that, that for a
1: year? I'll tell you this much. I've already done that. There's yeah, all, there's, I, I have a list of things I've already sent to Dane of like, um sir sir excuse me sir please i don't want to see this in the next tournament so if you can at all do anything about it i already see what i'm gonna flag for dane in the barony stuff but um let's start You ready to get into it yeah let's let's start with barony hunter played a barony game the other day yeah uh let's let's do a baseline let's cover the components yeah um you can give me reactions to like how you feel about the, the new stuff? We have covered the old stuff before. I do not think the current listener needs to have every single. Well, we thing. can do a quick summary. We can do a quick do summary. A, it can be let's, real fast. Let's go through it all. Let's go. So let's start with just that faction sheet, and we're 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 burning through stuff. So we've so. got first first thing they got is munitions re-
0: reserves, which is at the start of each round of space combat, you may spend two trade goods. You may reroll any number of your dice during that combat round. I will say, it doesn't get a lot of use these no. days. Uh, it comes in- up, and it's okay when it gets used. But there's other stuff that. I think we've learned that... that
1: I mean, is re is it better to have more dice or is it better to re-roll? I always forget. Which I one I, I forget too. I think it dep- It depends on the number of dice and their hit value. Right. Um, but regardless, two trade goods is a, is a lot, and that's the problem with it. Yeah. It's, it's it's pretty expensive, but sometimes it comes up and it matters. Yeah.
0: Totally. Armada is the second ability. This is their bread and butter. Maximum number of non-fighter ships you can have in each system is equal to two more than the number of tokens in your fleet pool. So you have two extra in the fleet pool right. whenever you want. Right. Uh, you're a two-commodity faction flagship is the old arc secundus uh which is hits two on a five move a one capacity three pretty standard it does have bombardment Mm -hmm. three on a five which is very 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 good that's what it's good at other players units in this system lose planetary shield at the start of each space combat round repair
1: this ship that's That's two abilities right that's its other big ability is this repair every round and you're going to combo that with some of its crazy tech where You use a lot of sustained damage. You use it very well. You use it better than any other faction. Yeah. And then you have a ship that repairs itself all the time. Right. It's pretty ridiculous. Right. Uh, They start with with anti-mass deflectors, the tech that lets you go through uh, asteroid fields, and it's also obviously on the path to gravity drive. Any faction that starts with blue tech, we call a blue tech faction because right. that de- generally means they're speedier because they can get gravity drive really easily. They also start with plasma scoring, which makes all their dreadnoughts bombardment better. It does other stuff too, but for you, it makes your bombardment better. Yep. Uh, and then they start with one dread, one carrier, one destroyer, one fighter, and three infantry. That's what we call 2C.1 and a half... Fi- one, it's 1.5, 1.5, C 1.5 C. 3I. I. They yeah. can take three planets around one without without any difficulty and if they want to take more they have to build it but round one and they also start with a four resource uh four oh and a two one so they have six dollars to start with so they have they have um one of the best uh round ones in the game
0: yeah and then their faction tech are as follows there's l4 disruptors uh which is during an invasion units cannot use space cannon uh, against your units which of course is the classic uh you just like it yeah uh tech it's not uh, very good it's, nobody it's, likes it It comes up when you need to have the fact actually tech. sorry i just i said i said it's the he so, just likes it uh and tech then and then i said it. nobody likes it <laughs> it's not commonly liked in the community yeah. um and we will say very little about it right non-euclidean shielding is the second tag this is the big hot one
1: when one of your units uses sustained damage cancel two hits instead of one Okay, the big thing with non-Euclidean shielding, it's too red. It shares a position with duranium armor, but the thing that people like is the classic combo is duranium armor and non-Euclidean shielding, which duranium armor basically lets you repair some of your units each round, which means you can continue to use over and over and over again the sustained damage. But we'll get into whether or not that's uh, too much or not. Let's do their, uh, their promissory note, which we are going to refer to the Omega component, in Codex 1, Affinity, uh, there was released a new Barony of Letnev promissory note, and it is War Funding Omega. Yeah. After you and your opponent roll dice during space combat, you may re-roll all of your opponent's dice. You may re-roll any number of your dice, then return this to the Letnev player. This is an extraordinarily good promissory note it's very good to sell to anybody who is about to go into a combat and it gives them the opportunity to really swing something that might go wrong or turn a bad role into a good one
0: yeah it's notably like a good version of munitions reserves right. but you don't get to use it which right. is a sad thing but uh yeah i would rate it as like medium sellable yeah uh to people it's tend- sellable
1: in the moment which means you're yes. waiting for those moments to come up and sometimes they don't yeah totally all right, let's talk about the new stuff. Let's yep. talk
0: about their prophecy of king stuff. Uh, we will start with the agent, uh, whose name is Viscount
1: Unlin. Viscount? Viscount. I viscount? think, think we someone corrected. It's
0: viscount. It's a word I've never used. It, it's it rhymes with discount. Okay. <laughs> viscount. All right. It's hey, we've got a viscount going over here. It's something you can say uh-huh. if like it's cheap or whatever. Um, so this is at the start of a space combat round. You may exhaust this card to choose one ship. In the active system that ship rolls one additional die during this combat round this is kind of meh but can swing
1: tight fights is how you should think of it i think the big thing here is you are primarily a dreadnought faction and a, a, an additional die on a dreadnought is pretty good. Yes. This is a useless ability on someone who's got, like, a bunch of carriers and fighters, right? Uh-huh. Who cares? It's one more thing that's going to roll on a nine. So you're not selling this very often. You can, and sometimes other people are getting it on their dreads, and that's really what you're looking for. This is a good dreadnought ability, but it's not really good on anything else. Yeah, that's fair. Um,
0: it's also, as far as its sellability, you really have to kind of, like, look out, you know, you can't just, like... Right. People you, aren't like desperately wanting to. You got to be this. hawking it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find the 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 window for it to be sold. Um, their commander, uh, his name is Rear Admiral Farron. Uh, the unlock for him is to have five non fighter ships in one system.
1: How hard is that? Not very. Yeah. Not very you hard. You start at all. with three command counters in your fleet supply. So you, you start have the with ability to pool. do two. Yeah. You can do that round one if you build the stuff. Um, sometimes people go lower, but there's a reason Barony now might keep those around just to get up there you build a bunch of extra destroyers and then back off or whatever there's a few ways to approach that but it's not a hard one and it shouldn't trip you up too much
0: yeah and its ability is quite good after one of your units uses sustained damage you may gain one trade good so they're kind of the sustained damage faction it's something that they're really good at um this notably applies. it says units not ships so that applies to dreadnoughts and it applies to mechs yep um, notably also, uh, non Euclidean shielding also says units, not ships, which right. is actually rare for base game to refer to units and not ships. Right. Um, so it does apply to mechs. I think there was a little bit of future proofing right. that went on there Definitely. with, uh, with old Dane. Good and job, it's, Dane. It's
1: interesting the ways, and we're going to get into that cause we're going to talk about their mech in just a minute, but all of these things are adding up to, oh, Barony used to be a dreadnought faction. Now Barony is becoming a dreadnought and a mech action. And I think that's a new way to think about Barony. Anyways, let's talk about the hero, which we won't do much of. It's called Dark Matter Affinity and it is as an action. Place this card near the game board. the number of non-fighter ships you can have in systems is not limited by laws or by the number of command tokens in your fleet pool during this game round. At the end of that game round, purge this card. Uh, It is notably very hard to use in a meaningful way. The intended use is I can launch that one big, huge attack I need to to secure the game. Something like, oh, I need to get Shard of the Throne or I need to win a combat in a home system. I can send everything I've got to go do that. But the reality is the number of times that comes up is kind of few and far between. So mostly this is used as a stall in the late game. Totally, And not a whole lot much else.
0: Yeah, uh, I would say that's basically all that it's good for is just the stall in the late game. Yep. Um, Okay, the mech is uh, great. It's called the Dunlane Reaper. Um, it costs two, like always, uh, it hits one on a six. Um, it has a deploy ability at the start of a round of ground combat. You may spend two resources to replace one of your infantry in that combat with one mech. And of course it has sustained damage. Um, so this is sort of like, like if yin like good, like they're better than yin is at what yeah. yin does. man, it's funny how many things just became better at, at the yin, yin, than yeah, yin. Like <laughs> this is like such a yin yeah. vibe. But now, and it is, I mean, it's ridiculous. There's a couple couple notable things you got to remember. Um, it's at the start of a round of ground combat. Every which, single round. Every single round. So that—that yeah. that is, you, we are talking about killing mechs, replacing one of the infantry in it with another mech, and then, like, killing that again or whatever. Like, you can do so much... Um, like one thing I realized i'll just go ahead and get into the later aspect of the episode is that if you build self assembly routines, which I do not think is a very good tech, kind of across the board, but let's say you get it, you get a trade good when you sustain the mech for mm-hmm. your commander, right, and then when the mech dies, you get another trade good from self assembly routines because that's something self assembly routines does is when your mech dies, right. you get a trade good. I don't even know why right, and I kind of want to flag that one for dan <laughs> um but that means that the mechs pay for themselves yep. in perpetuity. Right. Which I actually... Which and as then long you can you immediately have infantry, refresh.
1: As, yeah, like yes. you're saying.
0: As long as you have infantry, you can just kind of exhaust people with Dunlane Reaper in a right. way that is completely ridiculous. Also, I forgot to mention, um, I want to flag... There's nothing... Um, I, I I'm not trying to flag uh, self-assembly routines for Dane. That's kind of that's a little bold uh-huh. on the first episode with this new One of your new text. But I am flagging the heck out of that hero.
1: Sure, for Dane. it's but... just no. There's no point. Come yeah. on, man. no. It, okay, for, from a let's talk about Dane's philosophy when sure. it comes to stuff we're supposed to flag for him. Yes, he doesn't care if a thing is imbalanced. Right, that is not important to Dane. And that's not the and problem. And it shouldn't here. be important to it. The thing that Dane doesn't like. Is when stuff just doesn't get used and isn't meaningful and people just go, well, this, ding, like, ding. if it's if it's too good, that's never a problem. If it's too bad, that's the problem. Yep. And, and it's this not, is too bad. Right. This is too bad. It's not fun. It's not interesting. It I mean, do I guess
0: if, if his, if the standard is, is it used? Right. It does get used be- for the stall. Yeah. And you, not you're for anything always going to use it for the stall. Right. But it essentially has no other purpose. So if we're going to flag something from uh, the Letnev's arsenal, I am flagging that. I will flag that before I'll flag L4 Disruptors. Even though L4 Disruptors is hardly ever used, it has a niche case of use that I find
1: fun to think about. Yeah. And it's, I sometimes think it's really engaging to play a game with L4 Disruptors. It's just generally out of your way.
0: And honestly, Barony
1: does... I mean, again, like you were saying, Dane does not care about balance,
0: right? So right. that does not matter. So maybe in his eyes, L4 Disruptors could use an Omega because it's just not used just at not all. But right. Barony has arguably one of the best faction techs of all time, which is
1: non-Euclidean shielding. Right. So who cares if the other one is a stinker? Right. Exactly. Who cares? Not me. Um, so let's get into some talking about how, how it felt to play yeah. this faction. Totally. So the big thing we've identified is... We are a sustained damage faction, which very, very much applies to our mechs. What's kind of, how are you approaching the mechs these days? Because what we used to talk about in base game, if this is an update, Barony had an infantry problem. Sure. What did that turn into? Um, I don't think that they... Uh, so, okay... Did
0: they have an infantry problem or did they have a capacity problem? They had, they had a,
1: it was difficult to get infantry on all of your various planets because you had a capacity. You weren't generally building too many carriers. You were trying to do everything with dreads, which meant when you take a planet, you end up with like a ground force there. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about some ideas.
0: It now, because of Dunlane Reaper is I think critically important for Barony to maintain at least a single infantry on every single planet that they have. Um, they should sort of thinking about think about it in terms of like i basically have access to my mechs without building them right there if you build all of your um dunlane reapers it's on the board you yeah. can use it so there's a very good reason to not build all four of your mechs um, and really you should just kind of leave them in your reinforcements maybe build one or two at your at your home system at right. most especially if we're in the late game um, but overall i think it's just the potential energy of the dunlane reapers coming out whenever you need them is fine. And that actually, I think, you know, I think Barony had a problem of delivering the infantry to the place that they need them. Like they've got all this crazy bombardment, right? right. They can't get through Planetary Shield except right. without the um, flagship, which uh, I want to talk about the flagship in a little bit. Um, but I think this is kind of a much stronger way to get around that. Yeah. And in In some ways, it actually feels like it's sort of trying to work with L4 disruptors to sort of say... Listen, your problem is still that you're going to get shot on the way down, but if your infantry can make it onto the planet, turn them into a reaper, and then right. you're going to have a great yeah. time.
1: The real the reality of it is, this is your example of of an invasion. Let's say you're bringing three infantry with you on this invasion. Uh, beginning of the combat, you turn one of those infantry into a Dunlane reaper. You're rolling one on a six, two on an eight, If and most ground combats are a war of attrition. It is about slowly scoring hits to overwhelm your opponent. Yep. You're not doing huge swing combat. Sometimes swing, big swings happen, but generally it's really slow. So you build one Dunlane Reaper immediately, and you can soak two hits without even thinking about it. And then the If next, you have non-Euclidean. If you have chill. non-Euclidean, which we're kind of assuming you are going to get. We should talk about tech, though, in a little we bit. We will. Uh, the next round of combat, you build another lane Reaper. You have lost zero hits, and you have improved... Your damage output because now you're rolling two on a six one on an eight you can soak two more hits all this time your opponent is taking damage and losing units and you have lost nothing you can go three full rounds of combat making new dunlane reapers as long as you have the resources to afford them and you've never lost a single hit and now you're dealing damage output of three per round like three sixes every single round it's it is actually crazy how good these things are. I, I wanted to put out there the idea that like these are among the best mechs in the entire game. For sure. Because I, of that, every single round of combat, you can get them out.
0: Yeah, I totally think that. Um, let's talk about tech, actually, because yeah. I feel like you kind of brought it into that discussion there. And I want to I want to talk about it. So we start with a red, a, red and a blue. Um, we now have, uh, you know, there's AI development algorithm mm-hmm. is in the cards uh, in order for us to get to uh, Dreadnought two. Um, so I feel like because of AI development, we have kind of solidified as the red blue faction. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's red blue all the way for me right now. Now we'll see what happens in a year. And after some feedback, right. this is, this is with these episodes, it, um, one of the biggest obvious errata things we could
1: receive is people with their own, uh, tech paths. Right. But to me well and to me the crux of future episodes is going to be like tech paths are sort of the defining feature of how you change up a strategy with any faction exactly so the way that i see it this this would be the perfect example is you could play an nes duranium barony or you could play like a destroyer tube barony or you could play a war sun barony or like there's like all these dumb weird things that you could do and those are like defining distinct strategies yeah
0: so i still think that as far as blue goes Um, getting to gravity drive still feels pretty worth it, especially in the early game. Um, we've got, you know, big, slow dreadnoughts around and we would like to make those faster. I no longer feel like there is a reason to rush for, um, dreadnought two. right. I don't feel like it's actually even the most important utility unit we have at this point in the game. Um, I personally feel that the way that the commander is structured with the, have five non-fighter ships in one system, uh, in order to unlock a commander Killer that ability. yeah, that, and you would rather unlock it early. Right. Right. So the easiest thing to do is build a bunch of destroyers right? in order and now to you have destroyers that. on the board. <laughs> destroyer two is, it's kind of a shame, but destroyer two is easily accessed if you build AI dev, right? So you don't need the skip. Right. But the way I kind of, my ideal, um, Barony, uh, tech path right now. Um, and this might change, but I feel like would be, you know, We get Gravity Drive, we get AI Dev, we get Destroyer 2, and then we get any of these three techs in any order. NES, Carrier 2, Dreadnought 2. Maybe that's even my priority order. Um, NES just has a ridiculous utility in the air and on the ground. Um, It makes the Dunlane Reaper so much better. Uh, Carrier 2 uh is such a good way to ensure that the Dunlane Reaper is gonna be overwhelming. Right. Um I don't feel like it is actually win more because it's almost like there was a point in the past, uh, like in base game where I felt like, well Barony is like a bombardment faction. And I don't I think that might be gone. I don't yeah. think that is really
1: the case. Construction got better in POK, mm-hmm. which means more people have PDS on the board, which means you are you are met with that issue generally more often than you used to be
0: i just think it it because i i think i think possibly with pok the way that um dane decided to sort of shake up the relationship between barony and l1 was to just say all right it's over l1 you win right the bombardment race (laughs) right okay just because barony has this one flagship that is quite good it's, it's not like the flagship has gotten bad it's more like I feel like it's easier to just think about it in terms of like, I can fling a carrier two loaded up with fighters. Yep. Uh, and actually, we don't do we even need the fighters uh, loaded up with infantry that can kind of do this exhaustive Dunlane Reaper attack right. and get
1: through anything for on the eight ground. bucks. You can Dunlane Reaper for infantry and you, you know, you can make four Dunlane Reapers or you can get one flagship. The Dunlane Reapers are going to help you win significantly more ground
0: combat. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, with self-assembly routines, although that kind of came out early, I'm sure that kind of like miffed some people that are like, oh, that's weird. But I do think that combination, I mean, it's going to pay for itself for sure. Right. Um, and I am also one thing that I'm very hot on right now, uh, with Barony and I've always been hot on it, but, uh, is taking construction sometime in the early game and double docking your home system. Big deal. Because I just think like, especially if you go the, the unit upgrade route, which I, okay, let's talk about, um. I have been very into the fact that if you're going to go heavy unit upgrades, uh, AI dev is running into this weird issue, Mm -hmm. which is that like with Barony, we're getting AI dev so we can skip one tech, one yellow tech, one yellow tech to get, um, to get Dreadnought two. Right. However, if we end up kind of gunning more for unit upgrades instead of like maybe going deep blue. Yeah. uh, Then, that money that we're saving constantly Mm -hmm. is at least going to make it where this was not a bad investment. But I am also interested uh, myself in the overwhelm your opponents with so much plastic because double docking your home means you're pumping out more plastic than anyone can possibly pump out. And you are not a trade faction. So we're not going to make that Extra money just from whatever,
1: but you make you make money in combat with your yes. sustained damage. Well, yeah, like exactly. You're still a trade good faction, kind
0: of. Yes, you're you're a make money faction, but not necessarily a trade right. good faction.
1: Um, so AI Dev
0: is an acceptable compromise to me right now, and I wonder if that will change. Yeah. Um, maybe it will. I don't know. I think if NES lost its luster, um, then maybe I would change my mind. I uh, and the other thing that I want to say that I think might be controversial. Um, Is that I think Duranium NES has kind of. I'm kind of done with it. Yeah. I, I think, I, I don't think there's so many games that I've seen with Barony um, since POK released where Barony has some like big fleet that is so like impossible to defeat yeah. that it begs the question why they even need it in the first place. Like it's almost like, wow, that fleet is so overkill right. that I feel like maybe. We have played this wrong, and that <laughs> it's an over in something we didn't need. It's an, it's an overinvestment in having this one dominating fleet. Whereas I'm saying, if you double dock the home system, let's just be everywhere. Yeah. Let's just have stuff everywhere and uh, use that to our advantage. Which uh, I think what happens is people are maybe a little interested in playing into the hero, uh, and so they build like, oh, I build up one big giant fleet. Yeah. I feel like maybe it's more interesting if you build lots of little fleets everywhere that could become right. a giant fleet at right. some point in the future.
1: Well, Cause the reality too is uh, a bunch of little pretty good fleets are still in incredibly defensible position. If someone's eyeing Barony stuff and they're eyeing someone else's stuff, nine times out of 10, the Barony stuff is harder to take than the other person's stuff. Right. Um, in the game we just played, I kept having things where it's like, I'm going to have to try to take something from Hunter. And it was always an impossibility. Cause there's like even just two dreads with NES. It's like, I can't, I can't, I right. can't get through that. I, there's no way. Right. And if those dreads had duranium, it, it'd be the same, just be the same story. Right. Yeah. It did not improve your position in any way. Yeah. So the, so I, I feel like we're kind of rounding out. I, we have sort of a, a, a trajectory here. What is um sort of the, the, early mid end game sort of pathway like what how are we cinching a victory or do we know yet we don't have to have an answer to this question
0: i don't i don't think i do have an answer to this question at this point i think that there's a lot of uh i think there's a lot of ways that that barony can quite easily take control objectives in the early to mid game like maybe a little bit fast i mean it's a blue faction right? right so getting to control objective stuff before other people is i think very possible Uh, One thing I want to note is uh, produce on mass is not a difficult secret objective for them. That's just a note from my game pretty easily done, uh, which is nice. Uh, I think economic objectives in the late game uh, can be surprisingly doable for how much the faction, I mean, it's only a two commodity faction, but the idea that you can just get into fights over and over, this is another reason that I think that the strength in Barony should be less about, having one giant fleet and just having yeah. many, many ships everywhere right. an overwhelming force.
1: Uh, I think the one weakness Barony could have is a lack of influence. Your home system doesn't do anything to help your influence no. situation, so command counters is something that probably has to be focused on a little bit in your game. You may need to sacrifice some resources in favor of buying command counters. Right. A 2-3 t- planet is easily a command counter for Barony. They do not need those two additional resources. 3-influence right. goes down smooth. Um you were talking about you can get out there, you can get to places fast, and it's pretty important to note that we've talked about how good the Dunlane Reaper is. You are in an incredibly defensible position, even just leaving the an infantry on any planet. That infantry is not an infantry. It's a Dunlane Reaper right. without being a Dunlane Reaper. Right. So you have that soul, yin, argent quality of like, I got there, and I'll probably hold it for about as long as I want. Yeah, well, so
0: the one thing you have to keep in mind is that uh, bombardment is the only thing that can really cancel out your ability, mm-hmm. so it's not quite as locked down as those factions you just called out. Right? Sure. There, no, it's, but,
1: it is on a slightly lower tier. But them. it,
0: but it is, I think, a, a helpful way to think about the faction when it comes to uh, the Reaper itself. Yeah. Um, I am not going to push back on the idea that Barony isn't as hot as it used to be. Sure. Um, I think it, it just base game, especially towards the end. There, I thought Barony was like actually sneakily one of the best factions yeah. basically. Yeah. There were a lot of people playing Barony and they were playing them very well however I do think they are a little bit underrated yes. currently right. um, I don't think they are People hate the hero more than
1: it deserves Right. is and I that, think the biggest thing and
0: kind of the agent Yeah. basically the, the, the agent is not the most exciting thing I think the commander is quite good
1: Right. and yeah. I don't think it's considering enough too about the, the other things that P.O.K. has changed I think we get so wrapped up in how good is the new stuff compared to everything else compared to how has the game changed around barony barony has a really good early game and the game got shorter yeah <laughs> that has to be good for barony Right. barony doesn't need all of this longevity to last into round six or seven they can do things really well early which can result in some good positions in round four and five
0: yeah um i want to talk a little bit about trading a meta and then we can just kind of close it up okay. um so War Funding Omega. Um, here is the way that most people sell it. Um, I don't know if every group is going to accept selling it this way, uh, but I just make a little mental box and I make promises to people. Yep. Um, I'll say, hey, I will give you War Funding at some point. I actually say, I'll give you War Funding or possibly even uh, the agent, Viscount, if it is available. Yeah. Um, it's definitely Viscount. It's Viscount. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The, and and they'll give me a little marker so that I can remember, and yep. and I I sell that now. How much is that worth? Not on its own, anything. Right. It is not worth anything on its own. Yeah. However, um, if uh, if in the early game I need a little bit of wiggle room, I'm trying to make a deal, uh, to maybe get both of my commodities refreshed into trade goods instead of just one. I am down to promise that pretty willy nilly. Yep. Once you get into the late game, it becomes an actual sellable yeah. object because once people start fighting and the fightings have higher stakes, you can look at that fight and say, Well, this might be a this could be yeah. a big deal. It's almost like a gambling thing, right? You right. kind of have to see where their line is as far as how much they want to gamble on re rolling these dice. Right.
1: And what's awesome about it is especially in the case of I mean, really either of the components, because you're selling them like in you're not actually acting on them in the moment, and most of the time, you you sell it in the early game as a, as a promise to sweeten the pot, convince someone of a deal they maybe were on the fence about, and you push them over the edge, right? Mm-hmm. It costs you absolutely nothing, and then when they want to make good on it, all it's being used for is two other factions fighting each other and weakening each other's position. Right. It's still no skin off your back. It is only a positive to see two people hurt each other, basically. Yeah.
0: And real quick, let's talk about um, Selling the Alliance. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's it's only going to be useful to people that are going to be sustained damaging a lot. Right. Uh, so we're talking players that have a lot of Dreadnoughts, which fortunately the Dreadnought is a pretty common unit. Yeah. You know, still pretty popular. Uh, special note for the Titans. Totally. I think they get a lot out of it. And you should... You know, honestly, what sucks too is that the, the Titans... Uh, the Titans commander. Wait, what is the Titans? Com- oh, the Titans commander is all right. Yeah, you could you produce you could, and make money too. You could do an alliance swap with the Titans commander because
1: that's the one way out. When you produce, you get a yeah. trade good. The problem is you're even with your strategy. We're double docking home. We're building once around. We're not. That's true. We're, we're getting a trade good around. It's kind of nothing. And Titans has all the cruisers. They're going to make a lot more money off of yours than you're going to make off of theirs. That is fair
0: to say. Um, in a situation where uh, you are sitting near L1 I think you two are really obvious natural alliance swap partners Uh, they let you get l1's ability to bypass uh planetary shield yeah. and you let them make money when they it's it's match made in heavy yeah in heavy a match made in hey that's a
1: heavy match
0: yeah and i'm sure there's some other um swaps
1: that are even better
0: that i have not really considered sure. yet but it's not supposed to be exhaustive so there you yep, go there's yep, my yep,
1: thoughts yep. my preliminary thoughts on Barony. meet back in one year i love it let's take a quick break and then we're going to talk about the nalu collective Okay, we're back, and it's my turn, Nalu Collective. I played a game as the Nalu Collective the other day, and uh, the big thing to say right off the top is Nalu Collective was kind of maybe one of the best factions in base game, yep. and they got worse, 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 worse. probably the, the biggest disparity in a downward direction. Yep. Winu had the biggest, Winu when, shot through the roof. Nalu is like the opposite, yeah. Um, now, Nalu did not get as bad as when it was in base game, but there, Nalu has some struggles, so that is going to be a focus of what we talk about. But I, do,
0: I do want to say, to be fair, on that, some of the problems that Nalu has in POK, they also had in base game, mm-hmm. but there was a payoff. There was a sort of right. like, well, if you get through the bad early game, then you're right. going to have
1: a great late game, and, and that no longer feels guaranteed. Right, and the big thing is many... There were like half the factions had rough early games and that is not the case anymore there's like three factions with bad early games yeah most factions have an easy start it it is notable to have a bad early game uh the nalu collective have these abilities telepathic at the end of the strategy phase place the zero token on your strategy card you are the first in initiative order but this is the big this is the meat this is the meat and potatoes in nalu uh not only do you act first which can sometimes actually be a problem you don't always want to go first but you score first which means. In a tie scenario where everyone's getting to 10 this round, you will score before everyone. You will win. You will win every time you keep pace with everybody else. And that's always been the story of Nalu, is as long as you can stay on track with everybody else, you will win. So that's your whole goal. foresight after another player moves ships into a system that contains one or more of your ships you may place one token from your strategy pool in an adjacent system that does not contain another player's ships move your ships from the active system into uh, that system this ability got uh worse in pok because in base game the only way you could really retreat is if you had the ships already there and foresight was like the thing that was different yeah Uh, skilled retreat and foresight like were unique about that but now anybody can research dark energy tap. And so now anybody can do a retreat. So now the only thing that makes this ability special is the fact that you retreat at the start of the con. You don't even have to do a combat round. Well, to but- be to be fair, because
0: DET is the, the, a lot of people make this mistake all the time of overestimating DET. DET does not allow you to retreat into a system if there are any present enemy units. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't retreat like over somebody else's planet if they have an infantry there or something like that. So this still is sexier than det yeah but it does feel like comparatively it's kind of a bummer that now basically everybody can get involved no i'm certain right he's checking me i'm certain i'm right it says units bud it says units yeah all right Well, he's checking anyways he's just gonna it's going into the thing he wants to look at dark energy tap even though i'm telling him right now one or more ships in that system explore that token ships can retreat and can retreat into adjacent systems that do not contain other players' units. Leaving all that in, you got me, Hunter. Got
1: it. I checked you and you were right. Regardless, that's I mean that's that's important, but there's all all the time there's an empty space. I will still note that the important thing about this is all that it is is not having to even endure the combat, but it has a cost that is fairly significant, which is it costs you from your strategy allocation. So it's a great ability, but it's like a contingency plan. Um people can use it fancier ways, and I and you see it all the time where people put themselves out put them in crazy positions and then are able to just use it to slip out really easily Uh, you can do action phase secrets and then not have a threat of retaliation because you can just foresight away later but you have to make sure that you
0: have the tokens for it and and it's
1: it's a costly ability yeah exactly so uh, they also have a special unit the hybrid crystal fighter which is uh, same cost as normal fighters but it hits on an 8 rather than a 9 we'll talk about the upgrade in just a second they have the matriarch which is their flagship during an invasion in the system you may commit fighters to planets as if they were ground forces when combat ends return those units to the space area the question that people always ask about this is do i have to have infantry or ground forces to initiate the combat you do so if you want to use the matriarch you need at least one infantry but what's crazy is you can have like if it's just the matriarch right let's say we're invading a planet with one infantry and five fighters you can you can take the planet and you're gonna be pretty good at it especially if you upgrade those fighters so the matriarch is very very good at taking planets i put it a step above um flagships that you might only build because you have the secret i would build the matriarch in any game as nalu interesting uh, we'll talk more about that later but i, I think the I matriarch would, uh, can be a part of any strategy of Nalu.
0: i dissent i know I but do not like we'll, it we
1: will talk about why that is the case later because it's very specific uh their home planets are a three one and a zero two um that's not a bad home system except for it's super annoying round one because the zero two there are ways to make trade goods as nalu and you do act first so sometimes you can like somehow get lucky if you explore a couple industrials first or whatever and you can convert a trade good awesome you got yourself a command counter but other than that the zero two is useless if you do not get uh that before leadership pops you're out of luck and you're just gonna have an untapped planet wasted potential and that means you also only have three resources the big thing we're always looking for is any uh faction is four resources to start with so that you can buy tech they cannot buy tech you uh your start is one carrier four infantry one cruiser one destroyer three fighters and you have a pds to start with too, which is kind of weird um and you start with
0: it's a dual planet system it's a dual planet system so
1: one gets a pds one gets a space dock you also start with neural motivator and starwing tools which is a great set of starting those are like the two that you want The two that are annoying to research, Mm -hmm. but are great to start with. What is it?
0: Hunter's Law. Those are both Hunter's Hunter's Law and you have
1: it all, baby. But I want to talk about the starting units for just a second. One carrier for infantry is a bit annoying. And that's where our three resource home system comes in. Like we can get our second carrier off of the secondary of warfare and warfare stalling round one is not nearly as common as it used to be. So you can pretty reliably get two carriers for infantry, take four planets round one, but you're not getting any tech. Uh, Any tech you're going to get, you're going to, you have to find a way to make that money. Yeah, and that's where things get tricky. Uh, Their promissory note is a famous promissory note. It's called the Gift of Prescience. At the end of the strategy phase, place this card face-up in your play area and place the Nalu Zero token on your strategy card. You are the first in initiative order. The Nalu player cannot use the Telepathic Faction ability during this round. You return it at the end of the status phase. So you take away... Nalu's act first thing, which most importantly means you take away their scoring first. We used to say Gift of the prescience is unsellable. You are giving up the only advantage you have in the late game. Mm-hmm. Now, that's still true, but I have new rules on Gift of the prescience. Uh, there are times when it is sellable and ways to sell it that can maximize its potential it's an incredibly narrow thing but it might be the only way to save your round one basically yeah. and that's the context we're going to talk about it and we'll, we will get to that uh, so you have two faction techs we talked about your uh, special unit your upgrade is hybrid crystal fighter 2 this unit may move without being transported each fighter in excess of your ship's capacity counts as half a ship against your fleet's pool so you can get tons of these things out there and they can move independent of carriers they also are combat on a 7 and their move is 2 which is huge they go from having to be carried by a carrier to moving as far as any carrier can move.
0: It's pretty cool. They're uh, they're definitely one of uh, my classic favorite unit upgrades yeah. uh, in the game. I will say overall, it feels like fighters are less, I don't know, Destroyer 2- Got really popular. Has become a lot more popular and Destroyer 2 just kills, it just kills fighters. Yeah. I don't know, it just like, it kills them in It's such a huge extent. Like it's like, Destroyer 2 is like overkill, I feel like for fighters in general- Uh, and Nalu, I feel like really, if they're going to combat a a faction that has destroyer two, the
1: swarm has to be huge,
0: significant.
1: And you have to have other stuff backing it up. You just have to, you have to have dreads or something. I don't know what, but you got to have something in there to. To sometimes uh, not get hurt as bad. Right. Uh, They also have a faction tech called Neuroglave. It requires three green tech. So it's a high tier tech. After another player activates a system that contains one or more of your ships, that player removes one token from their fleet pool and returns it to their reinforcements. We will talk more about this later, but this tech has drastically fallen out of favor. Um,
0: You know what's funny? I just remembered, too, in the very first Nalu episode we ever did. Yeah. Uh, your whole thing was
1: like Neuroglave was great.
0: Yeah, Neuroglave was essential. Yeah, it was like you have to get Neuroglave. I, I felt
1: that way all the way through base game. I still thought even at the end of base game, I mm. thought Neuroglave was very, very good and very important to Nalu's whole shtick.
0: I'll be interested to hear uh, why Neuroglave has fallen out of
1: favor. Actually, because yeah. I'm a little confused about it. To we be will. Honest. We will get there. There's going to be a lot to say about tech. Let's finish uh, rounding out their new stuff now. Uh, Nalu. All of their new stuff is not very noteworthy, so we are not going to talk about it much after we introduce it. It is almost none of it is critical to their strategy. Right. Their agent is Zeu, uh, and after an agenda is revealed, you may exhaust this card to look at the top card of the agenda deck. Then you may show that card to one other player. Um, I never show the card to another player. Nobody ever cares to pay for it. You can do it. I don't know. People just kind of do it flippantly, and it doesn't matter. Um, The way you do it is either after the first agenda, if you want to know what you might need to do with your votes in the first agenda, you get to look at the second agenda, and that is generally better than the alternative, which is I finished the second second agenda, I know what it is, and I can look at what's on the top of the pile. But the thing is, that might change because politics is going to do whatever they want with it. So that's kind of useless. Sometimes it comes up, whatever, but generally you're using it on the first agenda just to know with a little bit more clarity what to do with your votes. Even that just doesn't really matter. It's just kind of not important. It's just a little bit more. Influence. How
0: often do you look at the next agenda and that
1: changes how many votes you were? You, what have. you're gonna do? Yeah, almost you know? never. Uh, their commander is Maban. Uh, unlock have twelve fighters on the game board. I will say this isn't that difficult, except for something we haven't talked about yet. Is Nalu has a pretty severe production capacity problem, mm-hmm. um, and so it can sometimes take until round three to get this commander out just because you can't build enough stuff. Right. You start. What did we say? You start with a handful of fighters. You you,
0: you, you have a production
1: uh, capacity of five. Right. And you, you start, start with, with three fighters. Three fighters. So if you're building five in round one, let's say you're building, you're not building five fighters round one. By no, the way, no. So no. let's say you start that round two. You might build two fighters round one because you have Starwing tools. Carrier and two fighters is your round one build. Sure. So now we're at five fighters. Round two, we only build five more. We only get to ten fighters. Yeah, yeah. We did not... Saw, like, you have to do quite a lot to get the 12 fighters out. It's pretty annoying. Yeah. Unless you get that second space dock in, which yeah, is a yeah. thing. We will... We'll, we'll just address it right now. Get a spe- second space dock in your home system. Like, you need to... You it, it absolutely have to do
0: I'll, that. I'll say this. It doesn't necessarily have to be at home. Sure. Because the, the thing about POK is, uh, you know, at least every other time I play somebody gets some ridiculous attachment on some play. Like totally just let's, let's be more crazy planet. Like with, with the bear, anything we were just talking about, um, I would have said, Oh yeah. Double docking at the home is great because I just know it's always going to be good. Yes. The, the Nalu, The other planet in Nalu's home system is a zero. So that's just two more production capacity. The idea that maybe you're going to find, especially through exploration, something with a much higher production capacity. Do that instead. Double dock some
1: forward system. You're going to appreciate that more anyways throughout the course of the game. Aside from the fact of like it's going to become difficult to defend your home system. That's going to be a problem all game long. But you absolutely have a production problem that slows down getting this hero out. Once you solve that, the hero then goes overkill in the other direction. The, the commander you may produ- does. The commander, you may produce one additional finder for their cost. These additional units do not count against your production limit. Basically, all that says is you can build one for three, and uh, it's not contributing to your production co- costs. So if- three for one. Three, three for one, whatever I said. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so the whole point here is you can, if you get this done, you can really start to help your production capacity problems. In my game, I never unlocked my commander, which is a stupid. Like, that's awful. That's that's truly awful and was bad, and I felt it all game long because then I never got to get ahead of it. So I do not call Mabon win more by any means. You right. need that extra push on your production. This limits. is also maybe a decent
0: reason, although maybe not the best reason, uh, to do a second dock outside of home Yeah. because this is – you get one additional fighter for their cost – Uh, that's just in that one production. So even if you have double docked at home, you're not getting like an additional one. You just get the one. So if we're producing at home and we're producing elsewhere, we're getting, I don't know, two extra... Is that good? (laughs) Well, it's
1: it's not very good. I will note, this is not one per total production. It's one per every time we build a set of fighters. We get three. We get three. So I can build... Instead of building four fighters, I can build six fighters. So it does matter... Okay. Um, Never mind. But it's it's still it still only equates to like three fighters. So you really do
0: so but but just to just to make it simple though, where this conversation has gone is a realization that your production limit, I think, is a one hundred percent problem that needs to be solved. So that we can even otherwise we can't even use this commander. And I think the commander is like the best thing they got. It's the best
1: thing they and got. That's it's not that's that for great, sure. <laughs> but it's the best thing they got. Definitely. Uh, one other thing of note here, uh, this is a thing with Mabon and this is the thing with uh, Yin's commander. This has a really goofy side problem. Uh, you always have the option to build just one fighter instead of two. Um, and as you'll note, the one extra doesn't count against your production limit. So if Let's take our home system. We have five production capacity. Mm-hmm. We can build Four fighters for their normal cost, we get two more on top, right? So let's say our build is one carrier, four fighters, we get two more. So we built one carrier, six fighters. Yeah, right. If you decide to spend extra money, if you're if you're rolling in trade goods or something, you can spend more money and get significantly more fighters. The math works out. Let's let's keep our one carrier. But oh, now we build four fighters at one each, and then we get one more on the house. We built eight fighters. total so 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 you're spending more money right in in the one situation we spent three four five and in this one we're spending three four five six seven dollars you spend two extra bucks to get what two extra fighters all i'm saying is this is not something you do all game long but it is a trick in your pocket if someone you can tell is gunning for you and you have to get more ships out right this second
0: yeah, and I mean, I think it also just depends on your economy. I think there are going to be games where it's worth thinking about this trick just because you've got a lot of resources. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're having a game where you have mostly resources and not enough influence, you're probably not having a great game. Yeah, but that's, this that's could help. Yeah,
1: uh, your hero is C Radium Geometry. At the end of the status phase, you may force each other player to give you one promissory note from their hand if you do this purchase card. This this sucks. Um, it is. Yeah, it's just not very good because people give you stuff that, that you don't care about. You generally get really crappy alliances out of it. Honestly, that's that's technically the best thing that can happen to you right? because sometimes that unlocks things like betray a friend sure. or have someone else's promiser. Like that can get you secrets that you otherwise didn't have access to yet. Um, but that's about all that is good for this. You might get, it's rare that you get a ceasefire. You usually get trade agreements late game when it's like we might have stopped they taking trade at yeah. this point. Right. Um, and then you'll get some political secrets uh, that, or I like political secrets quite a bit, actually, but they can be kind of hard to use, and you generally won't get enough out of this hero to be a meaningful difference. It would be awesome if all five players gave you their political secret. That would be That amazing. would be crazy good. If, ever, if they just all, absent of each other's, knowing what the others were doing, if they all gave you a political secret, you would crush any agenda you want, whenever you want. Imperial Arbiter comes out, boom, that's mine. You're all out. Right. Um, but that doesn't happen, is yeah. the reality. The timing of it, too.
0: I can't decide if I like uh, it, I it or it. hate it. Oh, yeah. no,
1: I hate it. End of the status phase is the worst possible time for this because uh, I, I, there are just ways that people can get around stuff. It is such an awkward um, moment in the game. I, I wish it was either end of agenda phase or I wish it was like an action. If this were a stall it well, would be a little bit better. Well
0: I will say this uh, I I was thinking about saying the same thing like oh it should be end of agenda phase but in this in the situation where they all give you political secrets if this is the last sure. round now it's useless. Totally. The status phase if they all give you political secret which is maybe the idea maybe that's what Dane right. thought uh, yeah. was that that's what would happen and so now it's you get to dominate idea. this agenda yeah. but it doesn't doesn't happen that often, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe it would be cool if you could tell them what it was, but that, somehow not that, support for the throne. Yeah,
1: it's. Th- I mean, generally, this is like a this is like a round four kind of thing. That mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'll I will do it the round I get it because it's just it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like right. it does it. You're not going to get anything better earlier or later in the game. Yeah. Um. If anything, there's a small chance that you, what what when this can be good is if you got uh, the action card where you can get more promissory notes off of people in the agenda phase, diplomatic pressure. Right. If you have one of those action cards, this becomes a little bit cooler of a thing because at least... But what happened to me in my game is I did this and then the next agenda phase, everybody used their diplomatic pressures. Yeah. It's like you just opened up everybody... I got the worst promissory note everybody had in their hand and somebody else got a better promissory note. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's rough. All right, let's talk about the mech. So the The mech mech is is weird. The
1: Iconoclast, uh, during combat against an opponent who has at least one relic fragment, apply plus two to the results of this unit's combat roll. It's sustained damage, cost two, one on a six, which then, if it's against someone with a relic, it's one on a four. It's very Uh good. Weirdly situational. Have no idea why the Nalu Collective has this ability. I wish there were other uh, it would have been so cool if Nalu had become kind of like an interesting explore faction i wish the agent had something to do with explore uh, mm-hmm. that's my note to dane is like hey this agent is dumb and useless Ooh, what and are we- you and and they have foresight they see the future they should be good at exploration sure, and they sure. have a thing that when they do more exploring or their opponents do more exploring they get better against them
0: what are we going to flag for dane the, i think the agent i want the agent more the, than anything else the, the, the
1: hero i don't i don't need The Nalu have a great end game ability in the zero token. Yeah. I don't need them to have a finishing move. They don't, if anything, that would be quite bad. If Nalu had a great finishing move, they would be unstoppable (laughs) as a faction. If they could just like cinch this thing when they're also guaranteed to score first, that is too much. I am okay with them having a bad hero. That doesn't hurt my feelings at all. But the agent being also just completely useless, I wish it was, I wish it was something not crazy powerful but better i'm chill with that
0: too because it does feel like nra has a bit of a a monopoly on the being good at explore thing so it'd be cool if there was another faction that
1: just had a little just halfway just kind of dip their toes and it's it can be a soft increase on their very bad early game everybody else got their early game solved why doesn't Nalu get at least a little something? If I can do some extra exploring, that'd be cool. Anyways, that's theory crafting. That's us getting <laughs> ahead of ourselves. I just wish they had more to play into this mech. The mechs are fine. Build them sometimes. Great. Build um, them sometimes. Great. That, that's it. Okay, so let's talk about what we are doing with the Nalu. Let's start with the tech path because I feel like that settles the score on a lot of things. Um, the biggest thing with Nalu is Neuroglave doesn't feel as big of a deal because. Uh, speed, I think, got so much more important. Um, Nalu really needs gravity drive, kind of for some reason. First off, you need a blue tech to get hybrid crystal fighter 2. Right. Um, and I think the new superpower of the Nalu collective is that you, as a faction, can reliably do crazy stuff in the end endgame. The, the, the game got shorter. Things are very important in round 4 and 5, and a Nalu with fleet logistics can first action if you build up for it take Mechatol rex and then immediately play imperial for a point right that is that is something that every other faction looks at and goes that's like a weird play i could do every once in a while nalu can go i can do that every single game like i can make that a plan that i set in motion and do and that is a reliable way to close out games and win right so as a thing that actually helps you win the game fleet logistics Far surpasses Neuroglave. Neuroglave is like somehow you manage to find a win, and Neuroglave kind of locks that in for you because people have difficulty attacking you. But Nalu is never in that situation anymore. Nalu is not there. They have a bad start. They have difficulty staying relevant throughout the mid game. And so then Neuroglave doesn't pay off in any meaningful way. Not to mention, no other green tech helps them in any significant way. I can theory craft a little bit on sure. Neuroglave if you'd like.
0: Um, I think that the primary problem is that Lightwave has become just a tech that it's so common to get it yeah. that uh, ne- Lightwave I would consider a soft counter to Neuroglave yep. in that if I can go through your gum, yeah. I still have to suffer the effects of Neuroglave, but only but once. only once. Yeah, and that's... if it's only once, then that's the problem. Yep. Yep. So yep. I don't know. I th- I think I-, I think that is why it has kind of. Just doesn't really make sense. I want to know what you think about Hybrid Crystal Fighter two,
1: though. Is it I, still worth it? Uh, it is. Um, my focus at this point is still on like I think Fleet Logistics is the best tech in the game that you can get. Is not for like, them. It's, yeah, it is like critical to their actual abilities and their strengths. Um, luckily for you, you start with a green, and if you're going for blue tech, Hybrid Crystal Fighter is absolutely on the way. And as people have noted elsewhere, it is a quarter cost cruiser. Mm-hmm. Like that is still an insanely good unit and if you get your commander unlocked like you're getting a ton of them out you're getting it becomes even more than a quarter cost unit it's a one-sixth cost unit to get them out It, it they're very 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 good and uh in tandem with a matriarch strategy, they're very important. So let me lay out this matriarch plan, because what did I just say? We want fleet logistics in round three, four, or five. We want imperial, and we want to take Mechatorex. Let's get it out of the way. You are not a custodian's faction. There is almost no chance of you getting enough movement and influence to go take Mechatorex round one. Yeah, I would more or less give up on that. You have actually way bigger fish to fry round one.
0: Man, do you remember when we would play this game and and we would have a round two where no one took custodians? Yeah. Like the, I can't even imagine that anymore. So much of the game has shifted around the idea that custodians must be taken it will be taken right and it's happening maybe even sooner than you realize yeah. oh what round one exactly. custodians take it's so much i would say i'm gonna say anecdotally that like 30 to
1: 40 percent of games around one custodian yeah, takes now totally like, there are, there are like multiple factions that are very popular factions that all can do a round one it's ridiculous sar nra Mahakt, stop Tavken, ev- diplo, yeah, yeah, diplo unlocks stop. everybody's potential yeah. um so anyways uh what were we talking about imperial uh Fleet logistics is like a huge game winner. And the thing about Nalu is we're spending a lot of energy building fighters, right? Uh, Not necessarily building a ton of infantry. We have great mechs. That's pretty useful. Um, And if anything, I would prefer to use most of my production capacity on fighters and then build a mech with each like activation. And then what we're working up towards and why I think the matriarch is actually critical to our success is we're going down blue tech. We're getting gravity drive. Gravity drive is going to make our flagship move better and move at the same speed as all of our uh, hybrid Crystal Fighter 2s, that is our tool to take Mechatol Rex, right? We, as long as we can win the space combat, the things we're afraid of, Muat or a Sarball on Mechatol Rex, almost anybody else we can probably chew through. Barony might be hard if they've, like, gone hard on Mechatol, but it's kind of rare, honestly, to see a Barony go all in on Mechatol. They, I, I think you see them spread out a bit more. Uh, I mean, 50 I, 50. I, I, I
0: actually think most of the time people play more of a like, I mean, obviously I, what I described in the, the, my side of the episode was something that de-emphasized that strategy. Yeah. But I think the most common strategy right now, with Barony, Sit giant on fleet on yeah. mecatol. So regardless, uh, my, my question for you is what do you do about Destroyer 2?
1: How do uh, you solve that I, problem? I don't, I don't have, uh, you don't, you build like you said earlier you build even more fighters like you just keep going like you just need to completely overwhelm them it would have been and then sometimes it's like you need other support ships yeah you you need destroyers of your own maybe but like i there isn't a smooth answer to it because especially when you're on the aggressive you can't do much uh having a pds network where you might be able to pop off destroyers could be helpful but you don't have time to build a big pds network that's not your faction um you don't have a clean answer to it besides just having so many that it doesn't matter
0: yeah, I think uh, I th- I think that's the real uh, problem with Nalu is I feel like there are these kind of these these questions these problems where the answer I feel like we got nothing we don't we, have anything we, we don't we don't have yeah. an answer to that
1: but I, the the one thing what I'm trying to lean into with Nalu is accepting they're not very good but they have these uh, just a handful of reliable tricks. Those reliable tricks aren't reliably winning you games, but they're things that you know you can do and you can set up for and do every single mm-hmm. game. So that's all we got. That's all we got to hold on to. Build the Matriarch, take Mechatol, and immediately score Imperial unimpeded in round three through five. Um, now, that that requires rushing. I mean, what you really want is Imperial in round five to close out the game, and you just win. Maybe sure. round four. Sure. But, like very often analu if it goes to round five analu with the right speaker order can just win on their first action
0: i'm i have my new listener ears on yeah so i just want to ask you to break down for me in specific detail what this whole fleet logistics imperial end of the game looks like what is that yeah so why is that so
1: good we had to build up to it it took significant effort but in let's look at round four and let's say we have these tools I can have my Matriarch parked two spaces away from Mechatol, and -hmm. as my very first action, which I do before anybody else gets to take a turn, because I have the zero token, I can take Mechatol Rex. I have to go in with a significant force, depending on who's there, right? Right. But if I can take Mechatol Rex, if I have the Imperial strategy card, what normally happens for any other faction is, they took Mechatol, and they have Imperial. Everyone, we have one round to deal with them. Everyone throw everything you have at that player so that we can stop them from getting that free point. Right. Nalu, with fleet logistics, you take mechatol and you immediately take another action, and that action can be flipping imperial. So you you do not have any uh, length of time in between taking mechatol and getting a point for it. It is basically one swoop. It's one action for you as Nalu, right. and you do it before anybody else responds. So the biggest power to that is let's say you're at seven, and you have uh, some action phase se- like This is the kind of swings that Nalu can can have at their disposal. Sure. I have an action phase secret that unveil flagship. My first action of round five, I attack Mechatol with my flagship, score my action phase secret, take Mechatol, pop Imperial, score a point because I have Mechatol and Imperial, and score a stage one public objective. I went from seven to ten and nobody got to respond sure. to it yeah, yeah. at all. Alternatively,
0: it could be something like we have the eight, uh, and uh, we have a scoreable secret objective, and we get to activate, score that scoreable secret objective, and then immediately in the game by just closing it up with a stage two or whatever. Last time I lost to Analu, um, it was Ginger, and it was that Ginger had the eight uh, through political stability. No one had a sabotage. Oof. Played political stability on uh, Imperial in round four got to keep it going into round five uh the stage two was spend six command counters first action flipped it It was the most just Just done done. it was just done so yeah nalu having the uh eight uh in the final round which is where we assume is kind of
1: round five or round four you can take it one step further too if you look at the round four thing Mm -hmm. the challenge of taking imperial for every other faction in the game is well if i take imperial I might be able to win in the action phase. But if it goes to the status phase, I'm last in scoring order. And I'm screwed. I get to score twice, but I won't even get to score the second public. Because it's not going to get there. Right. Not for Nalu. Not for Nalu. Nalu takes him. Even if you don't take Mechatol. Sometimes Imperial is enough to just win you the game because you score. You get to still score two public objectives because in the status phase, you score before everybody else despite having the the highest initiative order of the eight. You don't. You have a zero. So sometimes it's not even a Mechatol play if you can get everything else to line up properly. I'm going to push back on this whole thing just a little
0: bit and say that it's tough because it sounds like we're talking about a faction where the plan is that you have to have the speaker token on round five. And that is a... That's a, that's a tall order player. just to say that's, you have to be that player in order to Here's what
1: win. sucks about the Nalu. Uh, I don't mind it. I like playing this way, but it makes a lot of things very difficult. So I, I'm going to recommend, as, at least right now, Nalu is an incredibly low tech faction. Uh, mm-hmm. In my game, it was a bad game. I did a bad job, but I literally only got Gravity Drive. Wow. It's the only tech I ever researched uh i was too busy spending my limited economy on what little units i could afford throughout the game uh like i said earlier i didn't even unlock my commander it was it was all quite bad for me but uh i spent all of my energy focusing on where is that speaker token going to be And, and everybody else was getting ahead in other economies there was probably at least one or two rounds i should have taken trade just to find time to set up a framework for my slice and i think you should probably do that like round two should probably be like trade if you can if you if you're in the right order for it or whatever Mm -hmm. but beyond that like you need to get the speaker token into some sort of control Um, so i took politics two or three rounds that game and got imperial once Um, see
0: that's the problem though is i feel like we're talking about a faction that currently they're at this point where we've got a bad start yep um I think you're doing the right thing in saying like, let's try and like make it a not tech heavy right. strategy because we got a lot of things we need to do. And if that speaker token isn't favorable to us, this whole strategy isn't good. I mean, even if you got everything done right. and your third pick, right. well, too bad. You're probably not going to get it. Yep. um So I think I get all of this. um what I'm, What I'm thinking though is that most of the time a faction that uh, can afford to take politics and, and play with the speaker token right. can't afford to do right. it because nalu other can. went well. they're
1: desperate and they're yeah. doing it. And, it and that's not a very good recipe for success and i completely yeah. agree yeah i think that is the inherent problem we have with nalu right now right is we haven't we haven't solved the destroyer 2 problem we haven't solved the bad early game there's a lot of things that we haven't really solved and that's right. why so ooh Let's get back to uh, the one other thing we can do. We have not talked about Gift of prescience in a yes, proper yes, light yes. yet. Yes, so do. we do have a horrible early game. Yeah. Why do we call it horrible? Because we're Almost definitely not getting a tech round one, which definitely feels like it's setting us behind. And because generally all we can do is hope to take two systems and we are reliant on warfare being a favorable timing for us. It's very hard to do stuff. We do have two potential trade ships. We can only really use one of them, but like we can kind of become a trade partner and we have three commodities. That's not the end of the world. Sure. But...
0: Well, and obviously, you're going to get a strategy card. So one of the things you just listed is going to, is going to be okay. Right. But in a lot of games, I think my big problem with them is the uh, custodians
1: problem. Right. You can't, can they get you, it to you it? You cannot yeah. get custodians, like, basically at all. What's hilarious about Nalu is if you could get speed, you are the best faction to take custodians round mm-hmm. two because there's nobody that can stop you from doing it. Right. But here's the new thing with Nalu, in my mind, is it we have a guac problem. When Hunter and I talk about guac, it's guacamole. Guacamole's on the side and guacamole is a point that gets us to ten. We have five stage one publics, three secrets, and a support for the throne we can assume we're going to get. That's nine points. Somewhere we have to find another point in the game. For many people, that's the custodian's point. We've already baked in the idea that if we build up for it, we're going to take Mechatorex and get Imperial scored on it. We know we're getting our guac eventually. I mean, we can't know that we don't fully, but we have a pretty reliable path to doing it, which means we don't need to get the custodian's guac. We don't need to break our back spreading way too thin in the early game. But what we have is this weird tool in a promissory note that might give somebody else access to their guac. And guac is a huge deal. For some folks, they know it's their only way to win, which means it is literally worth more than even a point. It is better than a point because it's the most important point they're going to score this whole game. So in the situation So wait, hold
0: up, hold up. Break yeah. this down though. Yes. So what you're doing is you're giving gift of the prescients to another player in some kind of trade yep. for something. Right. And then they will get the zero token going into round two, and they will be able to um get two uh the custodian's token before the other player that maybe took politics round one right. into leadership round two. So they were able to win the race there. Now, if round one custodians is on the table for anybody, this does not work at all,
1: really. Right. This trade. I I would say there's two ways to look at it. One is whoever took politics is going to get leadership and they're going to get it first. Um, And you might try to sell gift of prescience for high value to the person sitting to that person's right or literally anybody else that has eyes on Mechatol, Right. And like you're saying it may not that may not come up in some games what you're trying to get out of it is access to your own point round one because you need that for the pace of the number of times you need to score in status like you need to score every single round without fail so whatever the stage ones are you're giving gift of the prescience for the ability to do a stage one yourself this round right now.
0: Or if if we're talking about so let's say we're talking about a situation where you can already score round one. Right. You don't need to trade right. anything for
1: it. Would you still go with this gambit? Uh if I know for sure I still can't get the custodians, which I'm assuming I can't, I would do it for lots of money to help improve my economic situation so that I can get more fleets on the board very mm-hmm. early, get those fighters out really fast, stuff like that. Like I would absolutely right. still do this.
0: And to be clear, for anyone listening wriggling in their chairs, I can hear you wriggling. Uh, we are aware that there is a, a Magic Christmas Land way for Nalu to get
1: custodians yes, around, it too. Can happen, it can happen, but it's just possible. like, come on, I, I find it yourself. It's there. get a blue skip, get diplomacy, you need a lot of things, whatever. Yeah. Um, putting that aside, the other th- option you have, and you, you don't deserve as much money for it, is you can look at the person who took politics... And you can you can also say to them, listen, I can you can just get the custodians token, but you have to take leadership to do it. Now, leadership is not a bad card, but maybe you don't want to. Maybe you don't want to take leadership. Maybe you'll offer me a decent amount for gift impressions so that you can take whatever you want. Even bigger, you can take imperial next turn, get yourself your custodians and your imperial point for taking out that's nuts Rex. that's y- nuts that's giving away two guac to somebody else and that's a big gamble for yourself thinking you're going to be able to keep up with that person yeah but M-
0: matt you it feels can get like, paid a lot matt, for it. are you playing nope. right now hey. are you playing a nalu game right now listen though
1: are you here I, wait hold I, up but no
0: <laughs> let me is is leadership is a great card mm-hmm. for when you take custodians totally. because you're going to be spending influence it it perfectly just kind of
1: helps you with the thing you had to sure. pay for kind of thing. Yeah. I, I get That's all that. I'm pushing back on. I, I agree. And I I'm not saying it's gonna be an every time kind of thing, but I'm saying Nalu is in one of those boats where you'll sell your firstborn. Yeah. To uh, to make your way into it. I agree with that. You gotta float boats. You have to float other right, boats right. because you gotta get your back scratched.
0: I agree with that aspect of it. I think we are in such a desperate place with yes. Nalu that it's time To
1: start talking crazy talk. Exactly. Because like we said earlier, and this will will be kind of the ending note, if we can be relevant in the end game, we're in an incredibly good position. The hardest thing about Nalu is at all being relevant in the end game. How? And, And what you will do in the early game can be quite crazy. And honestly, sometimes with some metas, it pays off on its own. Because if you boost someone too much, they become this big enemy of the table that everyone shuts down. And no one's looking at poor old Nalu. They're looking right. at this stupid Saur that right. got crazy fed. So there's what? weird meta ways that this can play.
0: How do you for anybody? Again, I'm like I'm 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 trying to advocate for people that I can imagine right now. I'm imagine I'm imagining people yeah. and I'm advocating for them. How do you get them? To for sure play Gift of the Pressions okay.
1: rounds great too. How does that I happen? I love this. I love this point because that's the worst. The thing we, the reason we don't want to sell Gift of the Pressions is we don't want them to just decide. This is this would be the argument of not selling it to the person who just took politics because they're like, I don't even actually need it, and now you gave me Gift of the Pressions, and I get to just have it. That was sort of game. what I was trying to hit absolutely. On. It's it, and that's a horrible position because you've just given up literally the only thing you had. Yeah, you, you're dead. You're dead now. You're if dead you, now. If they held on to Gift of the Pressions. What I think, and I don't have this uh, equated out properly, but like what I did with Hunter. Now, Hunter and I did this as a more a theoretical transaction in our sure. game. Hun- Hunter was making a deal he didn't even want to make and probably shouldn't have. But we were kind of imagining a situation if he had had better access to custodians, maybe he would have taken this deal. So let's see it out. I asked for Hunter's ceasefire. In return for gift of the and money and stuff, like he was giving me access to score five trade goods, right. plus his ceasefire, and I gave him his ceasefire back. The beginning of his first action, when he went and took his thing. Yeah, he, it, it, was it, it was collateral. But it was collateral. It's not a ceasefire to hold on to all game. It's you definitely use my gift of the prescience, and you only get your ceasefire back when, uh, when you play. Gift of the Prussians, and think... I get my I get my zero note back later in the game. That is sometimes maybe not enough, but yeah. at least you have a contingency plan of having their ceasefire. It's not enough, and I think there might be better deals out there depending on the faction. It might be something very very good you can get from them if you can get Titans terraform or something. Maybe that's worth it. I don't know. There's like little things out there that could be of equivalent value. And again, I'm saying ceasefire probably isn't enough, but the allure of someone getting custodians when they otherwise wouldn't is probably enough for them to decide to use it that round.
0: Now that I feel like maybe yes. I I just think you have to be really careful about evaluating the person you're going to make this trade with. You got to know them. You got to know, you got to kind of know how they are as a player, but also you kind of have to know like what their position is. Are they looking at the map thinking, you know, I think I'm going to have a decent game anyways. Yeah. I could just pass on custodians yep. and then probably make up for it later in right. a bigger way. I can do my own late
1: game imperial play yes, with, yep. and use this oh. thing. Like they, they You oh. can get betrayed with it, and I'm not suggesting that this is a foolproof plan. But, but I no, think I li- I like, if you can talk nice enough and do enough, this maybe can work out for I me. I
0: like where your head's at. I think that it's time... Uh, to get dirty and get desperate. Yep.
1: Uh, so i w- so
0: excited. I would to hear not sell it any other round. Yeah. I will I never it. sell it ever, ever, ever again. It's a round one. But it thing. is
1: a, I'm going to get you custodians right now. Another That's
0: it. another aspect of this that is kind of tough, though, is also you're, you're, because you're locked into selling this round one, you're selling it at the point where the other players i feel like have the least to offer you
1: is the problem they have the least in raw money it's hard to score as nalu round one sometimes nobody can help you do that especially if you're having to you're having you're asking two stars to align one the person that i can sell this to can get custodians next round right and the person that i sell this to can help me score a point this round
0: yeah that's that's kind of bs I mean, I
1: I, I accept that that's not really a reliable thing. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm grasping for whatever I can.
0: Yeah, so it'll be cool to meet back in a year and talk about uh, Nalu Collective once we've uh, really solved them and also you know we did we did flag let's something get some for Arata. dane there let's get let's, some omega let's stuff get some errata and dane you know what just hit us up yep. hit us up with some <laughs> new stuff this is how we're gonna get this is the third expansion or uh-huh. no, sorry the second expansion right. sorry because well <laughs> whoops <laughs> 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 let that slip there <laughs> no i really am just kidding um i wouldn't be able to joke about this if i was under nda yeah we'll see if he leaves this in i don't even know but um <laughs> The The second expansion is just going to be us slowly nagging yeah. Dane
1: for Omega It'll stuff. literally be a Space Cats, Peace Turtles expansion, and it'll be like, the, the, Man Hunter bothered
0: Dane enough. The, <laughs> the <laughs> nagging expansion, yeah. where he got <laughs> nagged so much that we now have a bunch of new
1: components. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank our Weird Bears, Fargoness, Squeamish, Emu, Billy, Botbot, Brasperd Brian, Kaluan, Kraken, Sawn, Jenna, Leto. Gee, I did this before. Someone else called me for it. I I combine these two. John, son of Leto. I think I've said Son and John of Leto multiple <laughs> times now. They just blend "Son" and John of Leto. <laughs> Mate Nason, Sunfax, Absol, Rwise, sweaty, T G Welch, Rumor Hippo, Privix, Sp- uh, Big Al Cappuccino, Spirit Thing, and Alice. And I want to thank our little peace turtles, Patience is a virtue. My son is also named Bor, Anvalier, Doc, Jutsu, Frank G, Gaskio, Goondoc, Recca, Carnal, Naderade, Nick, Uncle baddy Teddy's Jam for you, Beza, and Rolo. Um, also make sure to send
0: uh Send us some This Imperium Life stories. We are... Gearing up to do another episode of This Imperium Life. Yep. If you don't know what that is, it's where we tell stories of Twilight
1: Imperium games, and it's like kind of an NPR type vibe we set up. Send those to SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles at gmail.com. It's yes. very hard for me to categorize them when they are. Direct message to us or send nope. to us on Facebook. Not gonna Email happen. them, yeah. and then I can make sure they go where they need to go. Yeah,
0: th- we appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Um, Galactic Council poll is out. First round. Uh, you have until, I think, Saturday uh, to vote. Uh, here are the four options. Uh, the first option is why you should play Descent uh, Legends in the Dark, uh, which is a cool game we've been playing. Um, TI4 tech tier list, where we do a tier list of all the techs available in Twilight Imperium. Uh, I don't remember if it includes faction it does, tech. It for oh, okay. some stupid reason. Yeah, all right. Well, <laughs> um, third option is we improvise a Twilight Imperium scenario, which mm-hmm. that one's a cool one. Uh, Rudio Lab, which is where it's like this Imperium Life, which I just explained to you, except for Root. Um, Homebrewers Guild. Okay, this is big. Um, We're going to go ahead and pull out the big guns. Uh, We're going to do factions. So submit uh, your custom factions, your homebrew factions that you made up. I've already had uh, some submissions uh, that I'm excited about. There's a dog submission already, Mm -hmm. which is super cool. Um, So submit that stuff uh theorycraft some new factions and i will select 5 of them to play alongside me in a homebrewers guild game where i play as the homebrew faction me and matt made up uh many episodes ago called Merryweather's post pavilion the the
1: horse faction mm-hmm. um- um- twitch twitch has got lots of stuff going on these days we're playing a lot of video games for some reason just because we want to um what are we playing um we're the two of hopefully we do some combo streams here soon where we're gonna play a little bit of elder scrolls online literally like this week elder scrolls online is free so we're just like checking out uh but i'm also Also, matt is an elder scrolls like nerd like mega nerd no 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 no, no. i don't there are there are genuine mega nerds like hunter you're kind of a trekkie but you accept that there are way bigger trekkies no there aren't okay i'm the biggest trekkie of all time and
0: i wear it loud and proud (laughs) anyways you haven't seen my trek
1: pajamas that i wear (laughs) to bed every night i i am into elder scrolls so i will be getting more out of the experience of playing elder scrolls online than hunter will hunter will sort of begrudgingly uh, get through it. I think he'll well, enjoy it enough, but, but no, I won't. Yeah. Uh, but it, 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 I will be there. <laughs> I was, and, I was and, only and, saying that so that you wouldn't give me pushback. Like, hey, I might like it, but I'm glad you no, no, agree. No, that I, it's I a I, I,
0: a waste of your time. I mean, the problem is that it is an MMO, sure, um, and those yeah, are and I don't enjoy MMOs those are not super fun to um, play. Also, sorry will, about, will, sorry about that. I'll everybody.
1: probably play a little bit of Mass Effect 2. I just beat Mass Effect one, and I'm going to sort so of gi- you're the one getting to play all the good games. You can play Mass Effect three. You can play whatever you want, dog.
0: I can't play whatever I want. I have to ask you what I. I can play It's never been true that's never true. been true ever always anyways true.
1: we're also doing some games on uh, all, uh we're of course still playing twilight imperium so check out those are generally on saturdays uh i do also want to throw out there just because it's fun tactic blue and philroy and all the people over at the tabletop simulator uh discord are doing a discordant stars uh tournament right now if you don't know what discordant stars is Uh, They are insane people that made 24 more factions for this game. Right. So they're playing a tournament with 48 factions. Uh, This tournament is structured with eight games of six. So they will play, everyone has to play one faction. All factions will be seen before the end. And then they'll have an eight player finals game. But uh, just for games that are upcoming, uh, it looks like, I'm not going to do these in order because I was given the schedule in kind of a crazy way. But you've got September 5th. At 1300 UTC, August 28th at 1400 UTC, September 3rd at 7 UTC, and September 10th at 1930 UTC. So if you want some other, we may end up streaming like one of these or something, but keep an eye on. Uh, our Discord and the Tabletop Simulator Discord, because these are just some cool, wacky games. They may be harder to watch than a normal TI game, because you literally have to learn a bunch of new factions just to watch it, mm-hmm. but that's also sort of an engaging... It's, it's a cool homebrew thing, so uh, g- give it give it a day in, in your life,
0: please. I, I also, um, last year, did a uh, Tactic Blue a stream yeah. and put uh, up a youtube video so it sounds like this would be a really good time for me maybe to hit up the discord and stars people and yeah. maybe do a Go game on. would be fun be awesome. i think that would be a great thing to do yeah. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. youtube uh you already got homebrew by now you already got that yeah, that's yeah. that's already a thing that you got um you'll get something else i'll just throw something else up on the youtube i
1: want to try and get a video up you a week, should but. just put just put the five minute video of me reacting to the end of mass effect one up on Ooh, our YouTube. Just throw it up there. That's Why not funny. It's, it's not a gameplay. It's nothing. It's, But boy, I found out that the Mass Effect One credits theme song is the dumbest thing I've ever experienced in video games. Yeah, well, hey,
0: just so you know, Matt, some people like music like that. I mean I don't, but I'm just trying to defend them. Yeah. It I mean to me it's And even
1: if you like the song, it's a weird change of pace and style for that game. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't it's I mean, it's kind of a legendary weird moment in Mass Effect One. And you see my completely raw didn't know it was a thing. Uh, reaction. It's to pretty it. funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, you can also rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to us, and you can find out more information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, and our merch at turtles dot com. I, uh, that song is even weird for 2007 standards. Like that's the whole oh, thing for that's sure. so funny about yes. it is yes. putting your head in that time. And it's like, no, this is still, this is like maybe in 2002, you get away with this yeah. or something. yeah. But,
0: we're kind of, cro- okay. So we've been, do you want to announce the other podcast? that we've been absolutely working on or something? Not. Cause it was absolutely just say, not. no, we're just playing a lot of it, video games It just right sounds now. like you're, Hunter,
1: are you teasing something? No, no, we don't have time for that. No, and we shouldn't tease things because a lot of times they don't <laughs> <happen>. <laughs> Yeah. So. If you listen to the first like 20 episodes of this podcast like Long, long, long time ago, we're like, send us stories, send us weird ideas for board games. Yeah, uh, we have this podcast we want to do where we take really crazy, weird ideas for po- uh, board games, and, and that never dude, ever dude, ever happened. Do
0: you remember <laughs> we had a design document when we first started this show? Yeah. where it was like a list of all these different projects, and mm-hmm. they were like in phases, and there was like phase one, da-da-da-da. we phase were phase two. Da-da-da-da-da. From the
1: get go, we were like, we're gonna start a podcast empire. Yeah, there's no stopping us,
0: dude. And and this show <laughs> was just one on the of the on things, of the things on that list. Like it was just we we started the show thinking this was like a tiny thing yeah. we would do Oops. on the side while we do something else and you know, literally it's taken over our lives and it won't <laughs> let us out. Let me out. Let me out! I'm locked in the. When you open so up, so please,
1: a, please support us doing video game stuff because we sure. would love to do more. We'd love if to you do like, more than that. If
0: you like video games, please yeah. support. If you don't like video games, then sorry that we're doing some stuff that maybe that's. A a, I, I can't imagine we have very many people. Oh my in god! Our did I just apologize? I'm not like, supposed yeah, to apologize anymore. But
1: hey, I don't. I can't. There's no cut
0: f- that out. You have to cut that I out. Will, uh, there's four people you, that listen to this. No, show. No, you have to cut that out. No, you had. Oh my god. I'm wearing sunglasses and walking out of here, and I'm, I, and I'm never coming back if you don't cut that out.
1: Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum loriosum.
0: You have to cut that out of the show matt yeah okay fine then i'm editing this episode and i will edit it just to cut that out and i'll (laughs) hey you know what and i'll cut this out and i'll cut out you know what i'll cut out everything you said in the episode it's just gonna be me talking and that's it and i've already cut you out the things you're saying right now to me the swear words the pointing the shouting you breaking stuff i'm cutting it all out okay and it's just gonna be me all right, and I'm not apologizing to people anymore. I'm done saying sorry, and I just I did it on accident. It came out my therapist told me to stop saying sorry so much, and I'm trying, okay? I'm trying. It's just sometimes like your mom when you were a kid told you to say sorry all the time, and then you did that. <laughs> like She was like, you have to say sorry all the time, and then you just started walking through your life just saying sorry because mommy told me to say sorry, and I want to be a good boy. Got to be a good boy.